Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buckeye Talk is brought to you by ShopOhioState.com and the Ohio State University Barnes & Noble Bookstore. For the finest Ohio State gear and apparel, go to the store on High Street or visit ShopOhioState.com. Great discounts, great stuff at ShopOhioState.com and MinutemanTickets.com. Concerts, theater tickets, sporting events, whatever you need, it's national selection with a local feel. Make our ticket guys your ticket guys with MinutemanTickets.com. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, Ohio State beats Michigan State 26-6. Doug Lemmerys and Stephen Means emptying Spartan Stadium. Might be the last people in the press box, but we're eating cold pizza, so we're okay. We hope we don't get kicked out in the middle of this. We're going to go straight to your questions. Ohio State or Michigan will play Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship in the first weekend of December. We know that now. Northwestern has clinched the West, and the East is down to the Buckeyes, and the Wolverines. Steven, let's go straight to the questions. Steven is in charge of the questions this week. I'm growing up in the world, everybody. <clears throat> okay, our first question is from another Russian, too. Very loyal Russian yeah. followers we have. Very loyal. <laughs> okay, could you dissect Tate's snaps? Why wasn't he on the field for the final offensive series? Also, please grill Urban on how Dwayne is, be- is better suited to hand- handing off the ball when the goal is... When the goal is chewing clock, oh, when the goal is chewing clock, there is no good reason it shouldn't be Tate. So basically, the question here is why isn't Tate on the field longer? Yeah, so I just finished a column about Tate and Dwayne that will be up at 5 a.m. on Cleveland.com on Sunday morning. Um, But I'll tell you guys what I wrote. I do think, because maybe I'm giving them an excuse and an out because otherwise I'm not sure it makes sense. I think there's a component of this that is making sure they don't tick off Dwayne Haskins. Or if, if not tick him off, get him out of sorts, make him second-guess himself. You never want to have your starting quarterback looking over his shoulder or feeling anything less than 100% confident. And when I asked Dwayne Haskins after the game what it's like for him when he has to come out of the game when Tate Martell comes into the goal line, he did admit that it's frustrating. It's a little hard. He wasn't complaining. He was being honest. But I think... We have reached the point where it's clear that Tate 
should have a role in the red zone, right? But I think if you like start expanding that into the middle of the field, I think the payoff is not going to be there because I think you may accidentally affect Dwayne Haskins. So I get the red zone stuff 100%, but let's not forget there were 84 snaps on Saturday. Tate Martell played six. Dwayne Haskins played 78. I have been pounding the Tate Martell gavel since the preseason, but I do not think the way they have done it, if they could have done it before, if they could have done it all year where Tate is part of the offense and everybody knows that, I think you could have established a baseline that Dwayne would have adjusted to. They didn't do that. So at this point, to go from Tate playing zero to Tate playing like 20 snaps or 30 snaps, I think that is not something you want to mess with. Do you think I'm nuts? No, I think it's no different than running a QB draw or running a jet sweep. It should be a play, but it shouldn't be like this whole package of, okay, this series is just going to go with Tate Martell and we're just going to run the ball. Do you think it would affect Dwayne? Or do you think if, if, this- if so there were 84 plays today, instead of, instead of 78 to 6, mm-hmm. If it was if, if it was sixty four twenty, would everything be fine, or do you think that could have some negative effect on Dwayne Haskins? I think right now, yes, because of the way he's playing. He let's be honest, he hasn't his last two games haven't been his best two games, and even the game against Purdue, he threw a, he completed a lot of passes. Well, he threw a lot of passes, so ergo, the more you do something, you know, the more the it's cause and effect. The more you do something, the more chance of you know, if I throw a ball. In a basket, the more times I do it, the higher the chances are that I'm going to make it more often. I think that's what that game was. It doesn't mean he necessarily had a great game. So let's just say for the last three games, Dwayne Dwayne Haskins hasn't been the same Dwayne Haskins that we saw at the beginning of the season. I think if you start doing that now, it becomes more than just what it should be, which is, hey, there's a part of your game that we need that you can't do. Tate can do those things, so when we want to do RPOs, we're going to go with Tate over you. It's going to turn into, man, I'm not playing well, and that's why he's starting to get more reps in the offense instead of what it should be. And it's a very uh, – I don't want to spend the whole podcast on this, but I do think it's different than when Tim Tebow was the running quarterback with Chris Leak. It's different than when JT was the running quarterback with Cardale Jones. When it was JT and Cardale, JT had been the starter. Yeah. And their competition in 2015 was, was neck and neck. So, so Cardale, I mean, I actually think they did a bad job that year. They made Cardale look over his shoulder by yanking him in, in week three. Was it week two? I think it was the third series, after three series in week two. It was awful. They were incredibly silly with the way they made Cardale second-guess himself by moving quarterbacks in and out too much. Um, but by the time they were making JT the red zone quarterback, it's not like Cardale could be mad. They, you know, they had been basically even. In 2006 with Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow was a freshman, but Chris Leak was the old guy. Everybody knew Tebow was coming. Leak was kind of holding on, but that was an old guy, young guy thing. This is neither of those because, A, they're basically the same age. Dwayne's only one year older, so it's not like an old guy, young guy thing. And number two is Dwayne clearly won the job in the spring, and he wasn't even competing against Tate. He was competing against Joe Burrow. So Dwayne Haskins clearly won this job against a guy who's basically the same age as him. So if you start taking away a lot of snaps from Dwayne, that's different than those other situations, I wouldn't do it. And to your point, Stephen, if you had done it when Dwayne was at his peak, 
I always said, it's not punitive, it's a wrinkle. We're not doing this because of anything you did wrong, Dwayne. It's just something we want to do. Right now, I looked at the first seven games. He was had like 73% completion percentage. The last mm-hmm. three at 63%. The first seven games, he had 28 touchdowns, four interceptions. The last three games, it's five touchdowns, two interceptions. He's coming back to earth a little bit. I think it would feel punitive to him at this point. It would feel like it's not just a wrinkle. It's something I'm doing wrong. I wish they would have done it when there's no way that Dwayne could have taken it that way. We said, Dwayne, you're like the number two Heisman candidate. We're not doing this because of you. It's because of the way our offense works, whatever. This is the thing. But they got away from it for the last month, and now it's too late to go to it too much because it would mess with Dwayne too much. That's what I think. But also to your point, the whole Florida situation, yeah, that was the young guy, old guy thing, but also they established that that was how they were going to operate established. things. Established. From preseason. So there was no, hey, why is Tim on the field when we're on the five-yard line? I think if they would have established that in August, then there would be no issue because now it's like, okay, we're at the five-yard line. I know I'm coming out the game. It, right. Now it becomes routine and not just something that – you know, hey, why is this happening now? But they didn't. Or if they would have established that I said I wanted Tate to play the fifth series every week. They established that Tate plays. But instead, they established nothing. So we're here. Our next question is from at Jim R. Priester. Uh, we've seen our run game, pass game, special teams, and defense all show flashes at different times. What are the odds they all click together for an end-of-the-year run? Well, we're at the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do you do you think that like I I've maybe sort of given up on an Ohio State team that would be maximizing all areas like that. That that an Ohio State team that would be much much better. I was waiting for it against Nebraska. I was waiting for it against Michigan State. I feel like they were good in some areas, but they weren't that. They weren't a team that was clicking in every way. So I've kind of given up waiting for it. I'm not going to say that. Um, because you never know. Like, things can just randomly click. I think part of it is their schedule hasn't really, like, favored, like, them clicking. You know, last week the run game clicked, but it clicked against a team that, I mean, for all sense and purposes, like, anybody could have just looked at, oh, Nebraska and Ohio State, and go, Ohio State's going to dominate that game. And they didn't really dominate that game, but that one facet of the game was pretty solid for them. And Dwayne Haskins was great in the passing game for the first, what, six or seven weeks. And then today, the defense was great for, let's just say, six minutes of game time. Let's just say from the last three minutes of the third quarter to, say, you know, the last seven-minute mark of the fourth quarter, they were really, really, really good. For the rest of that game... That wasn't really clicking. That was just Michigan State, which is a terrible offense today. And I, I wrote about that today. I said, Ohio State didn't really play well enough to win this game, but they also didn't play bad enough to lose it. Michigan State was played worse between the two teams, and hence why eventually a lot of the mistakes that Michigan State made in the first half, they made those exact same mistakes in the second half, and they just ended up in turnovers while in this first half they were able to hold on to the football. So I still think that there's a chance they can click. I think – the Maryland game is where if you can see – if the defense keeps it up, then like that, at least that's solidified. Um, I think Ohio State needs to blow out Maryland just for the sake of like then the next week you're coming into a game that could decide whether or not you're a playoff team or not. So, yeah, I do think that they can still click, but like the time is clicking, I guess, if that's a 
Yeah, really I, I, Michigan State is not really good on offense. They they really helped them out. You know, they just were dropping snaps and doing things. It wasn't necessarily that Ohio State was making a lot of great offense, of great defensive plays. They they tackled better. They didn't let things slide as much, um, and that's part of it. And it's weird again. I, they're number eighteen. They won on the road. Um, someone's just giving me crap on a Twitter on a tweet. Um, <laughs> they're number eighteen. They won on. The, they beat number eighteen on the road. So like that's a thing. Um, but I, I just didn't feel like they imposed their will. Right. I mean, that's the thing that you you expect with Ohio State. Eventually, a very injured Michigan State team that has injuries at receiver, injuries at running back, injuries at quarterback, which is why Brian Lewerke isn't himself, which is why they sort of, I think, Michigan State people feel like they messed up their quarterback situation Saturday playing Lewerke, then putting Lombardi in, then going back to Lewerke. Um, yes, Ohio State won, but, but it was 9-6, man. It was 9-6 entering the yeah. fourth quarter. And then Michigan State sort of fell apart more than anything else. And I'm going to get to a G. Nilly question right here because G. Nilly, uh, 97, is a loyal listener and likes to give us crap. Doug, after unimpressive wins earlier in the season, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Doug, after impressive win over top 25 team in hostile road environment, <laughs> worry, worry, worry. Pretty contrarian, sir. Um, that is based into the belief that when they weren't getting things when they had unimpressive wins early on, um, that they would figure it out. And now 10 games in, I have come around to the idea that I'm sort of not waiting for them to figure it out anymore. And, and I just, I, I understand what Ginelli is saying. Um, and I did say, don't worry, don't worry. But this defense um, with the Nick Bosa injury and this offense with, you know, like they had run game problems. Now Dwayne's off a little bit. Mostly what I said early on was Dwayne Haskins is the answer to everything. I definitely said that on a podcast. Whatever your problem is, Dwayne Haskins is the answer. If you can't run, Dwayne Haskins. If your defense is bad, Dwayne Haskins. If you feel good about saying that? Oh, he was he had 28 touchdowns and four interceptions. I mean, the first six games, he was awesome. He didn't miss a throw. Yeah, but the law of averages always. Oh, no, no. There's no play. law of averages with Tua. There's no law of averages with Tua. There's no, when you're, there were no law of averages with, with Troy Smith in 2006. He was great yeah, all there year. Were. And that law of average came in the form of the current Ohio State head coach. Well, I mean, so what? I was waiting for Dwayne Dwayne Haskins to have, like, a bad game in the national championship game. I thought Dwayne Haskins was going to be really good all year. And I think he's been not as good the last couple weeks while enough of the other things that were there early on. So that's the thing. So, like, I'm not going to apologize for thinking that they were going to figure it out and now believing that maybe they aren't going to figure it out. I think the, me- the interlining message in what you've been saying all year is that all games are not equal. You know, at the beginning of the season, everybody's hot because everybody starts out hot or you start out really, really cold. You start out one or the other because you're either trying to figure things out or because you're the new quarterback. Guys don't really have that much tape on you and that but that much to really scout you. Then the middle of the season gets here and you get deep into the Big Ten season and all of a sudden you go through the lows of what a season is and all of a sudden you kind of, it forms your, you have a better formed opinion because now you've seen, in this situation, we've seen Hoskins at his best and now we've seen it at his worst. The question is, can he find somewhere in between that? Because him, I don't know if he's going to be 
six touchdown guy anymore, but I also don't think he's going to be as bad as he is right now. I think he'll find somewhere in the intermediate, and that's the quarterback that he is. He's missing throws. He didn't. He didn't miss yeah. anything. He didn't miss anything for the first six games. He didn't miss. He didn't miss anything, and he's missing. So the question to ask is what what changed? I don't know because it's not like it, it, from the from the, how he talked on Tuesday. It's not a lot about you know teams covering him any differently now than they were at the beginning of the season. They've been covering him the same way because they know he's not going to run the ball. So it's not about the running, right? But what I'm saying is the amount the the coverage hasn't changed for him. So it, a lot of it, a lot of his mistakes are things that are very preventable for a quarterback. You know, he's mm-hmm. missed things that are just you know tactical things. So what's changed from pretty much four weeks ago to now? I don't know. I asked him how he thought he played today. He said he thought he was pretty accurate. Um, other than the deep ball he missed to McLaurin, he was twenty four thirty nine um, for two twenty seven. So they didn't have their longest play was twenty five yards. Johnny Dixon dropped one that would have been a big one. They've had a couple drops. Um, and it doesn't feel like guys are running as open as they were. He's not working the middle, like the intermediate middle of the field as much as he did before. And teams adjust, but this guy can really throw it. And I just feel like he hasn't been – I thought he was absolutely 100% sharp for the first six weeks or whatever. Oh, yeah. And he's not right now. It's not, he's not bad. He's definitely not bad. He's a very good quarterback. He's the A student who's got a B, and now you're yeah. worried. Instead of being the C student who gets a B, and now you're, you're celebrating. All right. <clears throat> Our next question comes from Buckeye Boggs. Did D'Antonio blow, blow this one by outthinking himself? That safety completely switched the momentum of the game. Uh, maybe. Yes and no. What do you mean, yes and no? Um... Yeah, because yes, because they Ohio State after the safety ended up getting the ball at the exact same spot they would have gotten it if they just punted it. Right, because they kicked the kick out of bounds. Right, but I don't think that it switched the momentum of the game because it's not like so Ohio, Ohio State did anything with it. Yeah, they didn't do anything with it. Ohio, it, it, Ohio State didn't start doing anything until Drew Christmas decided he was going to punt. He was going to place every single one of his punts inside the six yard line. Before that, Ohio State wasn't really doing anything with any of that momentum. So, yes to D'Antonio out-thought himself. He overthought, but no to, like, it switching the momentum of the game. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I mean, it, it, what ended up happening is uh, is they had a terrible kickoff out of bounds. Ohio State ends up getting it at midfield, but Ohio State does nothing, punts it back uh, down to the Michigan State 2 and then they fumbled in the end zone, and Ohio State recovered for the f- touchdown in the first play. So D'Antonio was nervous about punting from the one. They wound up getting it back on the two. And so the thing he was worried about, which is what he took the safety for, which is like, I don't want to do something silly that ends up giving up a defensive or special teams touchdown, they did. They wound up giving a defensive up a defensive touchdown. If he was worried about... I don't think he would, and I don't think he was worried about field possession. He was worried about a block or something crazy happening. Yeah. Right? But it was a field position game. Um, it cost him two points at the most. It didn't. It didn't change the whole momentum of the game. But it was a twenty point win. So, I agree with you. Yes and no. Um, at Scott Duda asked, this game said more about how poor Michigan State is and that Buckeyes have things figured out. Correct. Say it again. This game said more about how poor Michigan State is than that. The Buckeyes have things figured yeah, out. Yeah, I, I agree with that. 100%. Yes. It, 
Is it weird? Okay. At, uh, at Cavs Buckeye says, is it weird that I think they may have found some stuff on offense? Also, Dwayne looks off, though I was with you 100% on the he's go- gone take earlier in the year. Are you rethinking that at all? Um, maybe. I, I know um, people want to know my- why my story's not up because nobody's reading the stories right now. So my story's going up in the morning. Sorry. Um, Give the people I think he's probably going to go anyway. I mean, I, I, I would not change if I was at 98%, maybe I'm at 94%. I think he is thinking about the NFL. That is not a criticism. I think he's ready for the NFL. I think he wants to go to the NFL. And I think the idea of, okay, maybe before if you thought he was going to be the 11th pick and now he might be the 28th pick, is he going to stay? He's going to... When he comes out, he's going to go to the combine. He's going to throw. He's going to have a great arm. He's going to be accurate. He's going to be great on the board. He's going to understand offenses. He's going to read defenses. He's going to be an impressive guy to coaches. So I don't, I, I don't think you can read too much into the – he is who he is sort of at this point. Um, if for some reason he would believe that like he's not a first-rounder and everybody asks for the NFL grade, if for some reason he would believe I'm not going to go in the first round, maybe you come back. But – I still think he's gone. The only question I have is his athleticism. And I've said it before, a lot of these NFL quarterbacks now, Mahomes, Wentz, a lot of these guys, Baker, are really athletic. I think he is not as athletic as any of those guys. But he's a great thrower, man. He's a great thrower. And even though he's missed a couple lately, I still think he will be that in the NFL level. I think he will go high, maybe not as high as I thought early, but I still think he absolutely could be a first-rounder. I think if Justin Herbert stays in college – he would be in the discussion to be the first quarterback off the board, and I still think he's gone. Tom Brady wasn't as athletic as those quarterbacks either, and yet. I don't think Dwayne wants to go in the sixth round. No, he doesn't. Peyton Manning wasn't athletic, I'm but the game's saying. changed. The yeah. game's changed, too. Tom I mean, Brady's it, still getting the Super Bowls. <coughs> I mean, yeah, all he has to do is be the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> That's and true. And he's good to go. No pressure, though. At G, uh, G Nilly, did Ohio State win some credibility back with the – G nearly 97, I'm sorry. Did Ohio State win some credibility back with the playoff committee today? Not if they watched it. I, I, like the score maybe, right? But did you watch? Uh, now everyone's giving me – people just give me crap no matter what. Did you watch that game for three quarters and think, wow, that team's got it? I mean, people don't watch games. You know that. Who? Uh, we do, obviously, because this is what we do for a living. But, like, most people don't watch games. Who? People don't, people don't watch games. Like The they, people listening to this? The people listening listen, to this listen, watch this game okay. more than I did. Guaranteed. Listen, when I – okay, the average person doesn't watch – they watch the We're game, not, but they don't watch. This podcast is not for average people. It's true. It's for Ohio State fans. Shout out to you guys who support us every did you, single Did week. you think that? Did you watch this game, Giannilli, and think they're gaining credibility? <laughs> I did. Not, no, okay, and we've had this. We we also did this on video. Watching the game, you get to see things in context. So from a standpoint of actually watching the game, no, that did not look like a playoff team. Whatsoever. Honestly, that didn't look like a team who deserves to be in the Rose Bowl, to be, if we're going to be honest with you. But that's probably that's – that's still something that could probably happen. But under the circumstances of how they pick people for the playoff – Ohio State has one loss, and it was on the road. They just beat a ranked team who had one of the best defenses in the country, especially yeah. on, the, on the ground, in their home, in their stadium, and they blew them out. 
Now, how they came to that blowout adds context. But the point of the matter is the end of the score was 26-6, and that's really all that matters. No, so, it's not. The committee doesn't just look at scores. The committee watched that game. And that's fine. But they're going to look at, okay, that team might actually win a national championship. Now, we know that that's like Who? very similar. Looking at that, that little six-minute stretch that that defense put together. When Michigan State was just like dropping the ball in the end zone? Yeah. <laughs> listen, I, I, I'm not – listen, I still think it comes down to beating Michigan and you have you – have, if you Oh, yeah, the that's Big the stamp on it. And one, if you're 12-1 and one in the Big Ten champion, I think you're probably in. That's, okay, yeah. I don't that, think that, that changed no, from today. Right, but like this is definitely a bonus. So Oklahoma barely uh, – I could go f- for 50 minutes on this. Maybe we'll, get, maybe we'll do this this week on the midweek pod. We will get an Oklahoma writer and get the vibe there because I will tell yeah. you – so Oklahoma hasn't stopped a middle school team in a month. <laughs> Not at all. And I don't know what people in Oklahoma think about that. So as we are sitting here saying Ohio State – um, has struggled the last two weeks. They beat Nebraska by five, and this was a 9-6 game during the fourth quarter. Oklahoma's last two games are a 51-46 win and a 48-47 win. Does the Big They've 12 given team up almost 100, 100 points the last two weeks combined. Does the Big 12 team deserve to get in? So that's the question. So this is it's all this posturing, right? But I keep thinking stuff will happen, stuff will happen. I still think stuff will happen. But if Oklahoma State had beaten Oklahoma today, that would have been some of the stuff. Oklahoma State scored at the end. They went for two. They missed it. If they made go in the two-point conversion, they, they win that the game. The Sooners out automatically. So they have two losses, and now West Virginia becomes the one-loss team in the Big 12. And if West Virginia doesn't win out, Ohio State's in very good shape. Instead, you are still in a situation where it very well could come down to a one-loss Big 10 team against a one-loss Big 12 team. And I think when you add together the Nebraska game and the Michigan State game the last two weeks, watching that team play, watching this Ohio State team play, they have lost a little ground on the eye test. And I had said earlier, I think they had a very good chance. Are you going to keep out the Big Ten champ, a 12-1 and Big Ten champ? If you respect the Big Ten, how can you keep that team out? They lost a little ground in that discussion the past two weeks. Very well may not come down to that. If the Big 12 champ has two losses, they're fine. If Notre Dame loses, they're probably fine. But that's what I'm talking about. And, I, and I'm not talking about score. I'm talking about the committee is going to watch that game. And they know it was 9-6 going into the fourth quarter. They know Michigan State dropped the snap in the end zone. We'll ask on the playoff call this week. Maybe the guy will talk about Ohio State's punter for two minutes and say, we've never seen such great punting. We give Ohio State all the credit of the world. But I'm going to imagine they watched that game. And, yes, it was a road win against a ranked team. These people are into the eye test. What's your eye test, Stephen, on that game? Eye test? No, they wouldn't get in just if if it came down to like that game. But they're not the same, helping. That, are they helping? No, they themselves did. They didn't on help. The the, no, they didn't help okay. themselves on the eye test. But at the same time, if I'm a committee member, I'm putting myself in these shoes now. I'm not putting a one-loss Big Twelve team over a one-loss Big Ten team. I mean, you can't because you think the Big Ten's better. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the thing. And, and there might be, of the 13 people in that room, there might be four people that think that. That has know? to matter. And it does matter. But does it matter more than like, boy, Kyler Murray sure is good. Boy, that Oklahoma offense sure is, sure is fun. It's a very difficult world. People like offense. I think the committee, the committee talks about defense sometimes. I don't know if they really believe it. But I will, we'll get an Oklahoma writer on and get the vibe in Oklahoma. Because, again, they gave up 
94 points the last two weeks combined, and they pulled out wins against mediocre teams. And I don't know if people in Oklahoma are saying, wow, we're a playoff team, or oh my God, Ohio State beating Michigan State on the road by 20. We're dead. We only beat Oklahoma State by one. Maybe that's what they're saying in Norman. And they're all worried about the Buckeyes because before Oklahoma was saying, well, we, if Michigan wins the Big Ten, we're in trouble. But as long as we root for Ohio State to beat Michigan, we'll win the eye test against Ohio State. Oh, my God, the Buckeyes, they, they completely dominated Michigan State today. Maybe that's what they're saying. I thought that's what they're saying. It might be. You know, I, 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 people in Oklahoma, you don't know what they're like. They're Sooners. No. They're Sooners. You don't know what Sooners do. Sooners are very unpredictable. There's tornadoes there. <clears throat> okay. Here's another question. At is the underscore fatal. You're going to love this question. You get to brag about yourself a little bit. Oh. So it appears that Urban and the coaching staff have taken most, if not all, of the five things you wrote that the team should do after the Purdue loss. How much credit do you think you deserve for the team's improvement? And if an open assistant coach jobs opens, will he call you? So I don't want to be a coach. I want to be like Lee Jenkins is with the Clippers. Left Sports Illustrated to go to the Clippers. I just want to sit in a room and think and spout ideas. That's all. I can't coach. I get tired. I have very bad stamina. I don't like to sweat. I would get no respect in the practice field, and I don't really know how to play football. But I can sit in a room and pontificate. So if they want to pay me to pontificate for them instead of pontificate for a website, I'm in. But, yeah, I said – Get, a, get rid of the RPOs, did that. I said, get away from man, press man coverage all the time. They did that. I said, get the linebackers away from the line of scrimmage. They did that. I said, uh, use Tate. They did that. I can't remember what the fifth thing was. But again, you guys could have written that same list. That's the point. And I think when I wrote the list, I said that. I said, I'm not a genius here. I'm just articulating what anybody with eyeballs can see, which is this team has some things that need to change after the Purdue loss, and to their credit, that's what this is really about. Move away from run pass options, done. Change the interior of the offensive line. They have not done that. I really think they need to think about putting Malcolm Pridgen on the bench. Two things I took away from that. One that was, no, three things. One that was beautiful, and I agree with a lot of the things you said. Two, the word of the day is pontific. Pontificate. Oh. Pontificate. Pontificate and ponder are two of my favorite words. My I mean, favorite word is coagulate because coagulate. I like. I like when the G and the U make you say goo, not just goo, coagulate. So it was use Tate, play more zone, adjust the linebackers, um, change the interior of the offensive line, and get away from the RPOs. So uh, I still would do that. I thought Malcolm Pridgen, he had a couple bad penalties today. Um, the, the Dwayne Haskins scramble that he was so proud of mm-hmm. that was taken away that was on an illegal hands to the face by Malcolm Pridgen I thought I got beat a couple times I still think there's a world where you move and if I'm going to make that if I'm going to get Malcolm Pridgen out of left guard um, and he has graded out as a champion in several games I thought he was not great today and I'll go back and watch the film if they're going to do that it's not putting in somebody at left guard it's moving Michael Jordan back to left guard Brady Taylor is healthy Brandon Bowen is healthy we've been waiting on them all year both made the road trip today Brandon Bowen was the number two right tackle. Brady Taylor was the number three center behind Jordan and Myers. I think if you're going to make that move, you move Michael Jordan back to left guard, and you put either Brady Taylor or Josh Myers at center. I would think about it. It's game 11. I don't know if they're going to go down that road, but if you feel like there's, there's a guy who's getting blown up and, and committing penalties, I think you have to consider it. It's the third thing. Every, multiple coaches have said that this year. Scheme. Execution, no. Execution one, scheme two, personnel three. But 
the thing of it is, if there's a, a trend in the execution, that like the execution part is messing up a lot and the scheme's okay, then you got to go to personnel. And they always say fans and media want to go to personnel first. Personnel is actually the last thing they change. Mm-hmm. I think possibly with this line they're getting to that point. And with that, you also just answered at Keys underscore Earth's question about Bowen. So she thanks you. What do they want to know? What do they want to know specifically about whether he should be in? It was literally Bowen. Period. Both a statement and a question. Yeah. So he's the right tackle. So Nicholas Petit Frere, who's a true freshman, had been the backup right tackle. He did not make the trip today. Basically, it sounds like he was a casualty of numbers. They brought twelve offensive linemen, and they had two guys back healthy who had not been playing. So they brought the two veterans. Um, Brandon Bowen's not going to replace Isaiah Prince at right tackle. They're not making a move there. Brandon Bowen was the starting right guard last year. That's when we, we when we had talked about Bowen. We had, I was talking about him at guard. He is a more natural tackle who won the guard job last year. I think he'll be in the mix for right tackle next year. I think probably is Bowen and Petit Frere are going to fight to be the starting right tackle next year. Did I say left tackle? Right tackle next year. Thayer Mumford's a left tackle. Interior offensive line's been an issue, and they haven't made any personnel changes. And they've talked about Wyatt Davis. They've talked about a bunch of other people. Um, I wouldn't hold your breath, though. And to be honest with you, I think the line was part of the reason why Haskin was off on some of those throws as well. I felt in the first half he was solid. He wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. He was just pretty solid. But a lot of the times it felt like he was being right. The line just wasn't holding up long enough for him to actually go through progressions. And when he actually had some time to go through progressions, he actually made some smart decisions. With he him. had that one drive where he really had some time in the pocket. He made three good throws in yeah. the middle field. All right. Uh Let's see. Let's go with at N underscore Frey 23. How much of the offensive woes can we reasonably blame on the weather? I thought I was going to give them a decent amount of uh, leeway on that, and I asked. Give it a percentage. Ten. I, I, I don't think it was. I, I, I was ready for it to be much more, but I asked Urban and I asked Dwayne Haskins, and neither of them said it affected the passing game. Here, two years ago here, the ball blew sideways. They threw for like 86 yards. They could not throw last time they were here. It was windy. When we were down there doing our video after the game, it felt windy, but they said it wasn't a big deal. So I, so if they're not going to use it as an excuse, then I don't think we should either. I think they're not going to publicly use an ex- that as an but excuse. But they did that day, two years ago. They said the ball went sideways. Yeah, because that was so much more obvious this time around. I guarantee you Haskins went back to that sidelines a couple of times. Like, yo, the wind is taking my ball all over the place. There today. was one where he kind of he tried to flip that one to wide, a wide-open Ben Victor on a coverage breakdown. Uh, and he had a guy in his face, and he tried to flip it, and he flipped it about 40 feet over Victor's head, and that yeah. was wind. Part of that was wind. It's a bunch of, it's I still think of, only 10 or 15%, though. I'll give it 12, just to be specific. Just to be a millennial? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. This is more of a question for you again. These are all, like, long-term questions. Ever, um, I'm sorry. At Scott Duda also asked... Ever seen anything like that? Like what? That game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I mean, people get caught up in the moment, and I get that. I get caught up in the moment, too. Um, there's a lot of goofy games that you see. Um, but I, I, And the one thing, and, and, and this is, I'm going to be completely honest with some of the stuff. You start writing your story and something, a game is going a certain way, and by the time you're done with your story, things have changed. Yeah. Um, I don't think the fundamentals have the game of, game, of the game has changed. But I had a lot of questions about this team, and when I wrote my initial column, I started writing it when they were leading 9-6. to six. And then by the time I was done, they were ahead 26-6. to six. But I still don't think, at least for those first three quarters, the questions didn't 
change. And my whole point after the game was I don't think they're scaring anybody. I don't think they're dominant in anything right now. But we see this a lot, and I will give them credit to some degree. What you do see a lot is when games are tight, often what happens is Ohio State wears the other team down based on talent. And when they're at their best, they wear a team down with talent and power in the run game. And Mike Weber got going in the fourth quarter a little bit. Um, yes, Michigan State gave them some stuff. But actually, if you're saying, like, have I seen this? I've seen it a lot. I've seen close games end up being looking like easy Ohio State wins on the scoreboard because eventually the last 15 minutes, Ohio State's talent and athleticism and power takes over. In other words, Doug has seen it all and done it all. 14 years. I haven't missed a game. I started with the second game in 2005 because they didn't hire me in time for the first game. The first game I ever covered was Ohio State-Texas and Ohio Stadium. Have not missed a game since. Are you going to be there next week? No, uh, maybe not. Okay. I'll pick it up. <laughs> I'll side joke. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap up soon. Get a couple okay, more. Okay, uh, I got two more then. One real one and one just more fun one just to end on. At Joshua D23. Y'all really love the number 23 on here now, don't y'all? What can we take away about the defense from this game, given that Michigan State doesn't run the spread and ha- has had an anemic offense all year? Systematically, how does Michigan's offense compare to Michigan State's? Seems like Harbaugh is missing, mixing things up more this year. Yeah, I mean, I think Michigan's going to be much more dangerous. There was not much. I mean, Rocky Lombardi had it going for like half a drive. <laughs> the, the Michigan State quarterback was not much of a threat today. Combined, they were 18 of 48 for 220 yards. Um, and they ran nine times for oh nine times for fifty three yards because Rocky Lombardi had that yeah. one gigantic run when the linebackers got caught up at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and a lot of those completions were coming in like a sequence of like one drive, yeah, like one or two drives where they just clicked. But then after that, it went back to fumbling in the end zone, fumbling on pitches and whatever and whatnot. But for the most part, it was maybe two or three jobs drives where Michigan State looked like a quality offense and then after that yeah the 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 just like Michigan had a lot of trouble last year with quarterbacks and quarterback injuries Michigan State's kind of in that same boat nobody today was as bad as O'Corn was last year but you have to prepare yourself for Michigan to have a, the better off a better offense than Ohio State fans have seen in many many years they have skill Ed Warner has the offensive line working and Shea Patterson is a real quarterback so Michigan is a many notches above what Michigan State showed today. And again, that's because Michigan State's best receiver is out. Their two best tailbacks are out, and their quarterback's hurt. And he played hurt for two-thirds of the game, and then they put Rocky Lombardi in. So listen, the Ohio State was lucky they weren't playing them. I mean, they knew that coming in. Michigan State's a defensive team. But I don't know how much I take away. They were happy with their tackling. That's a big deal. It sounds like they were working on very specific things in practice because they missed a lot of tackles the previous two weeks. They missed fewer tackles. But again, there's fewer Michigan State guys to break tackles. So it's just like you said with the run game against Nebraska. It's like, okay, well, it's Nebraska. It's like, all right, you tackle better. Okay, were you trying to tackle Rondale Moore? Were you trying to tackle Stanley Morgan or J.D. Spielman? Or were you trying to tackle Karan Higdon or Donovan Peoples-Jones? No. So, like, how much can we take away from it? But I think they did feel better about that, but I think most of it was self-inflicted by Michigan State's injuries and just inability to get anything done. I think that coming off of the loss to Purdue, Ohio State has had two games where – Whatever they wanted to emphasize for that game, the team they were playing was not talented enough to keep them from necessarily accomplishing that goal. Yep. Last week it was the run game, and this week they wanted to get emphasize tackling. Tackling was emphasized, and that was done today. And last week it was the run game, and Dobbins had the best game of his season so far. So yep. I think now 
they're going to get that one more time with Maryland where they get a chance to emphasize something and probably succeed in it just because the team they're playing is not as talented as the teams that they're going to face if they get where they want to go, which is college football playoff or the Rose Bowl or any other bowl game. All right, so if they emphasize run game against Nebraska and defense against Michigan State, what's the emphasis against Maryland? I think it's got to be passing. It's getting Dwayne Haskins right. Yeah. That's his home. He almost went to Maryland. Um, what better place for him gonna to have a little juice back. for that? Uh, I think you want to do everything you can to let Dwayne Haskins show out at Maryland and be flying high going into Michigan. Last question is from th- at the Chad. I'm pretty sure it's the Chad because you wouldn't put that many E's in it if it wasn't <laughs> the Chad. <laughs> Did Drew Christman have his Heisman moment today? Yes, 100% yes. Send him to New York now. I don't have a vote, but if I had one, it wouldn't be for him. But it would be for this week if we did weekly Heismans. Nine punts, six inside the 20. What was it inside the 10? He had five straight inside the 10. He's got 14 on the season. And that was after having possibly the worst punt I've ever witnessed in real life. It went four yards in grass, and then it went ten stories up into the stands. <laughs> Call yeah. him a comeback kid. It's like did getting you, the F and then getting all A's the rest of the year. Did you put that in your story? Because I thought your question to him about that was very interesting. Yeah, I did. I did, like the fact that okay, you you kicked it that bad, but there had to be something you had to switch, or you used to go out there and do it again. Yeah. So, but it was the wind. I mean that was a nine hundred percent. So he said he did. He what did he do? Drop it. He held on. He he dropped it a little. He he held on to it a little bit longer so the wind couldn't get to it. Yeah. Before he dropped it, so pretty much he had a very short window to get the ball from his hand to his foot because he wanted to hold on to it as long as possible. Makes sense. So un, so unlike Haskins, he has no problem admitting that hey, the wind's a little bad today. So let me make some adjustments. So so let me ask you this, and this is a good way to end, I think, because mm-hmm. it's a funny question, and you wrote a good story about it. You guys should make sure you go read about Drew uh, Chrisman at Cleveland.com. He had five inside the ten. Correct. What happens in this game if three of those five go in the end zone for touchbacks? To be honest Does Ohio with you, State win. I think they win, but I think the score is nine to six. So, like, and, and I don't mean to. Of, of course, I'm not downplaying punting or the importance of special teams. Coaches will reach through this cell phone and strangle me if I downplay the importance of special teams. And it's not coincidence. And it's not just Drew Christman. It's Terry McLaurin, who Urban Meyer said is probably yeah. the best gunner he's ever had here. Which, like, for Urban Meyer to say that, like. It's a big deal. That's like he can make a trophy for Terry McLaurin that says best gunner ever, and uh, that'll be the best trophy Terry McLaurin ever gets in his life because that's a big deal to Urban Meyer. But this is a team filled with four- and five-star recruits. It has playoff ambition. Mm -hmm. And if three punts go two yards farther, where are you? Like, of course. All the credit in the world. Drew Crispin's a great punter. They recruited him. Terry McLaurin is a great special teams player and great receiver and great athlete. They recruited him and developed him. I get it. You get all the credit for that. But I'm saying that's a little bit to me of a knife's edge of that's how close you were. That was so important to you. It's why you wrote about it. It's why Drew Crispin came in the postgame news conference. The punter 
saved them on a team with 22 four and five star starters on offense and defense they were saved by the punter it's a good team win that's what good teams do but that's where you are you are at a point where with jk dobbins and mike weber and paris campbell and isaiah prince and thayer munford and pete werner and tough borland and jordan fuller and damon arnett and chase young and the most irrelevant position as far as what like gets notoriety is the position that won you the game which i mean that's the whole point everything matters but i don't think they're gonna punt their way to the playoff well no that never happens i think punting is i think a lot of that is momentum at times like we've seen ohio state's like punter do things like that before not necessarily like what drew did where he had five straight in a row but we like what was the australians cam johnson cam johnson he did that a bunch and it was all off momentum of, oh, now we've got them pinned again. Yeah. So now our defense has this momentum going their way, and the momentum keeps going, keep going, keep going. I don't think we're ever going to see this again where, like, the punter is, like, the guy who ignites the momentum. Absolutely. Like, he's usually the guy who's, like, the explanation, the punctuation on the momentum of, oh, shoot, we got to go through this again because now we're on the two-yard line. After they'd have done this, that, and the third, we no, we're not going to see it's nine to six. Both teams have played complete tra- like complete trash, and then all of a sudden the punter is the guy who's like, right? That's like the five five guy in the NBA being the guy who goes off for thirty and a quarter. So now yeah. all of a sudden the momentum is swinging your way. It's not going to happen all the time. What's the most points you ever scored in a game in high school? A high school game? Not that I don't know high school game, but just period in my life like thirty two. Nice. Once again, I, uh, I'm not an NBA player. So I like, got uh, don't I got, take any of these stats here. Cut in uh, seventh grade. That's okay. I was uh, it was down to uh, like a bunch of people made it, and they were going to keep like two more guys. So they yeah. made five of us play five on five, and they went shirts versus skins, and I had to be skins. And I was so you're embar- saying that like it's like a weird thing. No, but I know no, but I was so embarrassed of my chubby seventh grade body that oh. like I was just trying to cover up my like like my baby fat. You were so busy doing that, that so I couldn't play basketball. Yeah. And so I got cut. So my parents still think that uh if I had been shirts that day, I would have made the team and I'd be in the NBA right now. That's I'd be not. like a forty five year old guy in the NBA. Be- <laughs> life I'll tell you what, life is funny. Takes yeah, you down but paths, I don't think it's Steven. that I don't think it's that you don't like, think I was that close to making the NBA? I don't think it was the difference between you wearing your shirt and not wearing your shirt in the pickup game. Who can say? All right. We good? Yep. Thanks to you guys for listening. Um, we'll be back midweek with another Buckeye Talk. Make sure you read our stuff on cleveland.com slash OSU. Follow us on Twitter at Stephen underscore means, at Doug Maurice, at Buckeye Talk Pod. You can always send midweek questions uh, to Buckeye Talk Pod at gmail.com. So, um, here, you can say it now. I never let the other guys say it. But so you got to say uh, thanks to listening, then say our names, and then you have to give a pause of an indeterminate length that you decide. And then you say, that was Buckeye Talk. So that's how you end it. All right, guys. <coughs> here we go. First time at this. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Stephen Means. He's Doug Le- Les Maurice. Oh, man. That's why. Like, how you my name first. Okay, keep going. Le Maurice? Le Maurice. I said it right. Okay, yeah, I, okay. Hold on, hold on. We're going to start this all over again. And we're going to keep all these takes because you're going to see how yeah. this improves in like three weeks. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Means. He's Doug Le Maurice. And this is Buckeye Talk. No, no, no. That was Buckeye Talk. Say it again.
And this is take three. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Means. He's Doug Lay Maurice. And that was Buckeye.